Um, say welcome to your neighbor. Today is a great day. Wednesday is usually a very good day. Um, online church, those that are watching, watching online as well, we worshiping online, we welcome you. God is a respecter of no distance, and you'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Um, if you see me around here, and I'm fidgeting, or I'm walking around uncomfortably, you will help me, because it is very uncommon to have your father or your papi sitting down and watching you trying to give a message. That can be very uncomfortable. But GFH is a safe place, right? So you are going to help me. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Tonight, um, we're going to be looking at the title. I'm, I'm sure you all got the, um, the highlight. It says, Freedom Requires Hearing and Doing. So without wasting so much time, please, can you pull up the outline? We've we'll talked about freedom, you know. You know, the beginning of the year, the watch night service. And to a lot of people, a lot of people, freedom means different things. So I just took out a few definitions, and we're going to run, it, run through it um, quickly. So what does freedom mean? Um, can I get two, just two, to you, what freedom means to you? Do we have the mic around? Do we have the mic? Two people. Just what freedom means to you? If you think about freedom, what does it mean to you? Anyone? Now, you're not helping me, right? So I'm going to have to call my friends. Hmm? Pastor Richard, what does freedom mean to you? Without boundaries, liberty. Without boundaries. Without liberty. boundaries. Liberty. That's with no, without limitation. All right. And there's so many. I mean, that, that's absolutely correct. Without boundaries, without limitation, liberty. That's what freedom means. But if you go further, please, you can pick up the highlights and let's just run through it. If you want to find out what's the opposite of freedom, it's bondage. And then you can say that bondage means with constraint. You know, bondage means to have boundary. Bondage means to be, to be burden. Bondage means, you know, to be in captivity. You know, people that are in prison are actually in bondage. So we can see the difference between um, freedom and, and bondage. Please put up the bondage as well. So we can see, you know, that, I mean, those are just few examples of what bondage means. So we all understand the difference between freedom and and bondage. Great. Um, let's go to the open question. You know, as Christians, by the grace of God, we're Christian, we're children of God, we're born again. What should be the guiding principle for our lives, as in, as we live our lives on a daily basis? If I, if you are asked, what should be, what should you be following? What should be your guiding principle? Anybody want, to, anybody want to try? I'm going to have to call other, I mean, my other friends now. Okay. Yes, ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My guiding principles will be the word of God. Fan the Bible. Fantastic. That's exactly what I have. That's our primary guide, guiding principle. Of course, there's the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge and all that. But our primary guiding principle should be you know, the Bible, which is the word of God. Now, the second question I have here, which you have in the, in the, on the outline is, is it possible to be in bondage and not know about it? Is it possible to be burdened, to be in bondage, to be in captivity, captivity and not know about it? Is it possible? Does anybody want to take that? 
And if you think it's possible, can you give examples? Anybody want to go? As in, if somebody's in bondage and you don't know it, is, is, that, is, that, is that a reality? Anybody wants to go? Pastor Richard wants to go. Thank you. Anybody else? We'll just take one or two and then we'll, we'll go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I think it's possible to be in bondage and not know about it. Um, I can use an example in the Bible when um, Jacob placed the cross on Reuben. And I can imagine Reuben's children suffering um, from the cross that Jacob placed on them upon the time when Moses came and um, cancelled, revoked that cross. So in this part of the world, perhaps our forefathers or our fathers' fathers did something and caused us to have this ceiling over us near success, like um, the um, word of knowledge that came from the forepits, trying to grab, seems like you're almost there, but just being elusive. So that's captivity, bondage in its own but you wouldn't know about it until the word of knowledge comes, interacts with that situation, sets you free, and glory to God. Praise the Lord. Please, a round of applause for that. Pastor Richard, did I send you my outline by mistake? I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just kidding. So, it's total, I mean, if you, look at, if you look at the Bible, that example of Jacob was one of the ones I, you know, I put down. Until Jacob became Israel. So, it's possible for you to be in bondage and not know it. And in modern day lives, our day-to-day lives, it's, a lot of us are probably in one bondage or the other, not knowing. If you have an addiction, it's a bondage. I used to be in bondage that I didn't know. Well, I knew, I knew it, was, it, was, it was an issue. And an example is, up until maybe six years ago, and my wife knows about this, if I'm traveling on an international flight, I will schedule it around a particular football club because they are playing. I will schedule it around it just to be able to watch it. I've done, I did one in Doha where I went to check in and I came back home to come and watch soccer till 5, 15 minutes to gate closing. I'm closing time of the gate. There's, there's no bondage that can be more than that. So if you have an addiction of any sort, it's a bondage. And some of us, we don't know it. If, if it's food or any kind of thing. So tonight and this year, not just tonight, God will deliver us in Jesus' name. So we've established that it's possible for us to be in bondage and not know it. Now, I want to give, I want to talk about, I, I just want to give this, give this illustration, an example, a story, and I'm going to make it very short. It's a it's very contestable story, controversial. There are two ladies, they, they call Amala and Kamala. You can go and Google it. It's a story that happened in the 19th century into the 20th century. Um, the contention, I, I will explain the contention later, but it was, it was written that these two ladies were somehow found themselves in the midst of wolves. So at very young age. So they grew up with wolves until they were discovered. And when they were discovered, they, they walk on their force and they, 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 they wow like wolves. Now, the, content, the contention there was that um, the, the um, historians went over to say that the man that claimed that he discovered them was one actually that made them to grew up in that nature to be like wolves, okay? So either way, those, those kids, and they died, they were at the age of three and eight after they were discovered. So either way, those, those children were in bondage, but they didn't know it because the only way of life they knew was to walk on their force. That was the only way of life they knew. And they live in that bondage till they die. In fact, the junior one never spoke a word like human being. So 
So what I'm saying is that, so it's possible for us to be living a life of any kind that does not seemingly like a sin or a restriction, but we're in bondage. But God has spoken this year that this year we're going to be delivered in Jesus' name. I just gave that example, and we're going to be referring to it as, as we go along. This year, God has spoken through pastor that we, this is year of freedom. And that's a given. So, but um, yesterday, when I was at home, my wife just brought this up. And she didn't, she, didn't, she didn't know what I was going to teach about. And she said she was listening to a radio program about three days ago. And they invited a, a pastor and all that. And the, the radio host was saying that, why is it that every church, they declare um, my year of shining, my year of this. And then by the middle of this year, the people are frustrated that you're just deceiving the people. And the pastor answered the question in a different way. And that's the direction we're going tonight. The Lord has spoken. His word is not going to go back to him. But just like in the days of history, if you check the Bible, right from, I mean, when the children of Israel are going to be freed, God will declare it in and say, this is what I'm going to do. But as you go along, he'll begin to give you instructions. Instructions. So God has given us freedom this year. That's what's going to happen. But what is going to be coming out from the altar on a daily basis as instructions, it is the ability to follow those words that will determine if we're going to be free or not. So what we're going to establish tonight is how am I going to be able to follow the words that will be coming up as we go along this year so that the freedom that has been declared, I will be a partaker of it. It's a given. A lot of us, and by the grace of God, all of us are going to be free. But we're going to have to follow these instructions. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, on the outline, you sh- uh, the, the God is more than enough series. Honestly, I, I was talking to Pastor Richard in between service, and he said, well, this is, has been his best series so far. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I've heard that over and over again. Because when pastor comes to teach another one, then somebody's going to say, oh, this is the best one so far. But bottom line that we see in that series is that there has to be a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And there has to be a constant communication between the two of them. I mean, he, he, he told, uh, last, last Sunday he was teaching about goodness and mercy, being the sheep that were guiding the, I mean, being the dogs that were guiding the shepherd. That means there's, an, there's a relationship, there's an instruction. Um, I put one of the quotes, please, I hope you put it, put it on, um, the one on, on pastor, that the sheep is as free as the shepherd wants it to be. And also, and the reason for that is, the shepherd is the one guiding the sheep. So there's an instruction going back and forth between the sheep and the shepherd. So who is our shepherd? The Lord is our shepherd. Therefore, we're the sheep. So there has to be a constant communication between us and God at all times. For that freedom to continue, for it to be, to be continuously to be maintained. Our freedom is fully dependent on following the instructions of our shepherd. Please, that's the next term. Our freedom is fully de- dependent on following the instruction of our shepherd. So, I hope, I hope we're getting it. Are, are, we, are, we, are we going along? What we're trying to establish is that there has to be some instructions between the sheep and the shepherd for there to be freedom. And those instructions are going to be coming from this altar. Going, for, I mean, it started already. The God is more than enough. It's just, it's just the beginning. So, what are the things that we have been told there that we need to do? That, that's how it works. Yes, it has been declared, but there are clear instructions that we need to follow. So that's what we're trying, to, we're trying to establish. Discussion question. The Lord is our shepherd as Christians. In what ways can we maintain a close relationship with our shepherd? 
I need, I need volunteers. In what ways will I be able to maintain that relationship, you know, with, with, with the shepherd? What are the ways I, I, need, I need volunteers? What are the things I need, I need to do to ensure that me and my shepherd, who is the Lord, were in close communication? Because pastor said, I mean, he set the table before you, before your enemy and all that. There has to be a relationship and there has to be a communication. What are the ways? Anybody wants to go quickly? Quickly, who wants to go? Okay, I can see. Yeah, go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I have three ways here, personally. First, I have to be willing to be his sheep, to be able to have that close relationship with my shepherd. And I have to be very consistent in reading the Bible. And not just reading the Bible, but study them and apply it to my day-to-day activities. Amen. And I also have to worship him. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That's, that's fantastic. We have to, so when you do that, there's a continuous communication. And that's why we established that as Christians, what's our guiding principle? is the word of God. So for me to continue that relationship, this, some of the things she said, and quite a lot more, are what we're going to be doing. I have to be the sheep. What does that mean? We're going to get it to, to you later. What does sheep do? Sheep are extremely obedient. So I have to follow instruction. I have to follow the instruction that is going to be coming. Thank you, sister. I really appreciate that. What are the limitations to maintain close relationship with our shepherd? So as sheep, what are the things that will hinder us from having that close relationship? That, I mean, they're so numerous. But I just, want to, I just want people to talk about one or two. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What are the things? Good evening. Um, one is disobedience. Disobedience. Because half uh, obedient is disobedience. Yeah, so. that's what Pastor says, that you're as free as your obedience. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's fantastic. We're going to talk about obedience and disobedience as we go along in the outline. So what else? What are the other things? Now, I'm assuming that, you know, we're in GFH. Please, go ahead, ma. We're in GFH. We're Christian. So sin and all that. Should, I mean, we should, be, we should be above that. We should not be talking about adultery and all that. Go ahead, ma. We have a lot of things that can hinder us. Yes, go ahead. I'll just uh, mention like um, television. Distraction. Can, yes, That's can distract us. Television for three, ten hours can distract our attentions. Amen. Thank you, ma. I'm listening. That's a distraction. So distraction can can take us away from that continuous relationship between shepherd and the sheep. Our Bible reading tonight is Mark chapter four, verse two to nine, and then we're going to read from fourteen to eighteen, verse two to nine, fourteen to eighteen. Some of the things I put down are sin, pride, disobedience. Um, bad relationships, ignorance, and all that. You know, there are a lot of them, but we're going to cover a few. So, can we read the Bible reading together, please? He taught them by telling many stories in form of parables such as the one, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath. The birds came, the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they reproduced no grain. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil, and, and they sprouted, 
grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears, let him hear, should listen and understand. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. So the seeds that are going to be being plant, that are going to be planted in us this year for our freedom are the word of God that will be coming through, Pastor, on this altar. So please take note of that. The seed that fell on the footpath, let's go, represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who, who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have, as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. The seed is the word of God in our hearts. How do we meet? Okay, who, I mean, the one that generates are those that hear God's words. Okay. So, in my notes, I, um, I, I want to ask just one question. One person or two people. And I can give a million examples. And the pastor has given a lot of examples. But I just want somebody to give us an example. A situation where, through the word of God, or an instruction from from pastor or from or your dreams and anything, God tells you not to do something and you didn't do it and it saved you a lot of, a lot of um, you know, grief. Or you were told not to do it and you did it and it cost you a lot of grief. Anybody want to share? Anybody? That you were told clearly that, you know, don't do that. I mean, we might just come, we might not be pointing to you. Anyone? Now I'm going to call my friends. I'm, I'm going to start my, my wife to be my best friend. I'm going to start from her. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Thank you, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the living Jesus. Hallelujah. I received a word from the Lord. I was not sleeping. I was just sitting down. I saw a hand wrote on the wall Amos 3.3 3. Ah, I said Amos 3.3 3. I stood up, I took my Bible and I opened to Amos 3.3 3, which says can two work together except they agreed, they agreed. Ah, now said Father, what is the meaning of this ah, immediately the Holy Spirit starts telling me a lot of things that I've been doing, that I felt is right, that is so wrong in the sight of my husband. So I quickly come down. And I thought I was doing this for the Lord. <laughs> I never knew I was going astray. And I thank God since when I received that word and I stopped doing those things. Ah. Everything just turn around. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you very much, man. Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. And, you know, when God gives instruction, both directly or indirectly, even through, through you know, when, 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 when pastors comes to preach here, I mean, when pastors preaching, most of those things are not just things that comes from his thoughts. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, you know, it could be for you, but if you take it for granted, and that's it. You know, there's so many, so many people that have lost things through that. So tonight, we're establishing the fact that we're going to be free 
but the word of the Lord is going to come through us and what are the things that can, what do we need to do to make sure that those words don't, you know, don't, don't get drilled in our lives. So, if you go ahead, we, we established that we read in the Bible that the seed is the word of God, right? That is, is being planted. So, how do we mitigate against this word being destroyed in our lives? As we get the words, what are the things that we need to do to mitigate it? I just, you know, I just picked about, we're going to be going through that Bible passage again. So, if you don't mind, can you go back to Mark 4, 15? Mark 4, 15. So, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, um, I'm sure most of us have walked past places where they are not tarred, right? You just walk on the, like on a tiny path. I mean, if you have been to the villages or you have been to the farm, you see people walking on that tiny path, just back and forth, back and forth. And then over time, what happens to that path? That path becomes very hardened. You know, it becomes, that footpath becomes hardened. And you can never plant anything on it because it has become hardened. Now, that's what Jesus Christ was referring to as the footpath. Now, that, that path, the, the word of God goes into our heart. So what we need to do is to make sure that we do not do anything that will make our hearts to be hardened. Um, can we read Proverbs 4.23? Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If we expose our hearts and our mind to all kinds of things, when they talk about hardened criminals, you say criminals are hardened, right? They're not talking about physical hardness. They're talking about their mind and their conscience being sealed. And the way that happens is that over time, over a tremendous amount of time, they've been continuously exposed to those kind of things that seals their conscience and they seal their, their heart. And the same with us as Christians. There are things that we must not allow ourselves to be, to be exposed to. That's why the Bible says all things are lawful, but not, everything, not all things are expedient. We must ensure that we do not allow ourselves to be, to, be, to, be in that, um, to be in that kind of um, situation. Um, please put up all things. Yeah, exactly. All things that, not all things that are lawful, that are expedient. So there are things that as Christians, I mean, don't, don't just go there at all. Because once you do it once and you do it twice, it's like you're watching a TV, you're watching TV and pornography comes up. Shut it down quickly. There's no point. Because once you do it once, you do it twice, you are beginning to, you know, to say your conscience. You are beginning to seal your conscience. And that's what Christ was talking about. Your heart becomes that footpath. And seeds and word of God cannot generate in it. Please go to the next one. Mark 4, 16. The seed on the rock soils represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. I mean, the rock he's talking about is not like a mountain. It's like a rocky sand. You know, rocky sands cannot, cannot retain nutrients. Because, I mean, at the beginning, the, 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 the fruits will grow, or the seed will grow and form a plant. But because there are no f- nutrients, not, there's nothing on that. It's just going to die away. And what does that represent in our life? Let's go ahead and read um, Mark ten fifteen. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Go ahead. Okay, that's it. So, here, 
in order to make sure that our minds are not like a rocky sand, we have to absorb everything we hear from church like a child. You know, we have to absorb like a child and like an absorbent. Like when you are told to do something, just go ahead and absorb it. Just go ahead and do it. That's the only way that we will not be like a, like a, what's it called? And the Bible went for that to that when it comes to things of God, we need to be, we, we need to be like a child. That's, that's my, um, what, what, what's it called? Um, if, you, if you read that part again, when, when, when you plant a seed and it has no nutrients, that it has no meditation, it has nothing to chew on, it dies away quickly. So what we need to do is that to make sure that we don't put our mind in that, our, our heart in that kind of a situation. Let's go to the third one. The thorns. 4.18 The seeds that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's words. Can you? Okay, I'll read mine. Who heard um, who heard God's words and when when um, incidents come, like um, issues of life, um, all kind of things, troubles, and all that, and then it chokes out. For me, this one is the most, what I call, is very devastating. Because what happened is that while everything was going on, while life was good, while life was great, we, we continue to follow Christ. We continue to do his will. But once there's a little issue, you know, like a problem or, I mean, all kind of, anything, you know, loss of job or whatever, relationship that goes bad, and we just derail from God. But the Bible says, many shall be the afflictions of the righteous, and what? It shall deliver them all. So we should ensure that, irrespective of the situation around us, our heart remains with the Lord Almighty. The word we're hearing needs to continue to germinate in our mind. We should not let it just, you know, just fiddle away. We should not choke away. This example that Christ was giving, he, he talked about here that the fruit, I mean, the seed will grow, but it will not generate fruits. What that means is that, I mean, tons, when you know tons, I mean, Yoruba, they call it a gun, when you know tons, the, 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 the seed will grow, it begins to germinate, it begins to grow, but it will get choked out by things of life. The things that are not important. That's what Pastor was talking about last week when he was talking about, you know, what is important? What do we bring to the world? What are we going to take away from it? The things that are not important should not choke away the word of God in our life. Irrespective of whatever it is. Because God will always be God. And we have just one appointment. We have visitors. You know, some of the teaching that Pastor taught last week. So this one is the most devastating. Because it's a hope that is lost. And that's because of the realities of life around us. Issues are going to come. Nigeria will have its problems. Our families are going to have its problems. But God will always remain God. And therefore, the seed of God in our mind should not die away because of problems. Praise the Lord. So, we have established that constant communication between the sheep and shepherd it's mandatory for the safety and the freedom of the sheep, right? If you, if you establish that, is that a given? That there has to be a constant communication between the sheep and the shepherd. Is that, is that correct? Please, can you put it up? Do you have it on my? Yeah. No, if you keep on going on my notes. We have established that the constant communication between sheep and shepherd is mandatory 
for the safety and the freedom of the sheep. The word of God is our primary communication mode between us and our shepherd. That's our primary communication mode, the word of God. Are we, are we, do we agree? Praise the Lord. So here we are. How do we keep the communication with our shepherd alive? We have established that we need that communication. Now, how do we keep it going? How do we ensure that there is no disruption? How do we keep it going? What do we need to do to ensure that constantly I'm in contact? I'm in con- I mean, what's heaven saying? Pastor, when Pastor was doing some teaching some, some, some months back, he said even before you buy something, what's God saying? But for us to be able to do that, we need to have that constant communication. And the first one I have here is, you can pull it, bring it up, please. Keep going. The first one there is meditation. And I wrote that as blood is to life, so is meditation of, of, on word of God to spiritual growth. For us to ever continue to grow, we need to have continuous medica- meditation on both the word of God and also on the messages that we're hearing. Continuous thinking, continuous medication, meditation. That's the only way that we can keep that continuous relationship between us and our shepherd. I mean, my wife has been Christian for a, I mean, for a long time. But one of the, the times that she began to develop a, a, a gift and a spiritual life took a tremendous turn was when we were on our second assignment. And that's because she wasn't working. Um, she had a business in Nigeria, but she was running you know, at her free time. But when the kids go to school at 6.30 and I leave at 6.30 as well, I mean, she stays back and studies till like 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And you could see the difference. Just continuous meditation, I mean, continuously chewing the word of God. We can't, we, we can't get away from that. If we want to keep that communication, it's a given. Psalm 118, Psalm 119, verse 2. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. Searching for God with all our hearts is meditation. Continuous searching for God. Continuous thinking about God. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. We all know that, we all know that, um, that very well. Joshua 1.8. There's something I'd like to, to bring us in that. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey how many things? Some things. A few things. And only then will you, go ahead, prosper and succeed in, in what? In all that we do. That's just meditation. On the word of God. On the preaching. Meditation. That, I mean, there's, no, there's no, no, no shortcut to it. Praise the Lord. Meditation keeps our eyes and hearts focused on the shepherd. Meditation keeps our eyes and hearts focused on the shepherd. And for a sheep not to get lost, you need to know what your, you, need to be, you, need to, you need to be communicating to your shepherd so that he's telling you what to do and what not to do. Praise the Lord. John 10, 27. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
straightforward, easy to read. That's all we've been talking about. We're sheep, we should know his voice, and we should follow him. What that means is that if he gives you an instruction, you need to follow it. That's what it simply means. My note says, to be a sheep to the Lord requires hearing, which is, you know his voice, and doing. Doing is following him. To be a sheep, that's what it simply means. The second point I have about how do we keep that relationship is fellowship with other Christians, like we're doing, to, we're doing now. Small groups, uh, midweek service, collaborative prayer meetings, and all that. It is a given. It's mandatory. It's not an option. It, and because the Bible says it. Colossians 3, 16 to 17. Let's read that quickly. Let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all, with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks. Pastor is always saying, none of us is anointed as all of us. None of us is as strong as all of us. So we need to, be to, we need to come together. My note says, togetherness brings strength. When we come together, there's strength in multitude. I mean, one shall say is thousand, two shall say ten thousand. So if you multiply that around, so so fellowshipping with other, with one another, like we're doing now, is 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 it's not an option. It's compulsory. That is when we begin to hear that, you know, that communication. Don't forget what we're what we're establishing. Communication between the sheep and the shepherd to establish our freedom, to make sure that our freedom is manifested. Praise the Lord. I have here, and the third one is collaboration. Pastor introduced, I mean, instituted collaborative Bible studies. We need to do that together. We need, I mean, we just need to do it. That's, you see, that's, for example, that's an instruction that has come that if we do it, it's going to be part of what we ensure the manifestation of our freedom. So, if you are not in any collaborative Bible studies tonight, I mean, up until this point, that word has come for the past six weeks. So, you are behind. You need to, you need to get onto it. Ecclesiastes um, 4, 9 to 12. I mean, we, we've read this before. I just, over and over again, I just said we should read Two people are better than, of than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person, go ahead, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Praise the Lord. So, coming together collaboratively is not, it's not an option. It's mandatory. It's not if I like it or not. It's mandatory. Praise the Lord. We're doing well on time. Freedom destroyers. Before we go there, on my note, I say, whenever Christians come together, presence of God is assured. 
I mean, the Bible says where three or three are gathered, right? That's what it says. So, when we come together, the presence of God is a given that is going to be in our midst. So, why won't we be coming together? And when we come together, we hear that instruction, sheep and the shepherd. Praise the Lord. So, freedom destroyers, that's what we started with at the beginning. When we're talking about what are the things that destroys, that can destroy our freedom. You know, what is it that can take away our freedom? Of course, we're Christian. We know that sin will do that. But there's some seemingly things, you know, seemingly not sinful, seemingly not, you know, not, I mean, I'm not committing adultery. I'm not, you know, but they are, they are, they are big, big destroyer. The first one I put down here is, I, call it, I didn't say obedience, I call it disobedience. Obedience to higher authority is mandatory for righteousness. Both, I mean, your team leaders in church, your house fellowship leader, the Bible says all constituted authority comes from God. In fact, I mean, in 2014, pastor taught on obedience. I always go back to go and read that, to go and listen to that. I took a lot of notes and studied. To go and do, it's one of the things that destroy the people over and over again from the beginning in the Bible. Just go ahead and check. It's disobedience. Total disobedience. Now, let me explain something to you. Is obedience easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. About four or five months ago, pastor was preaching on the Sunday, and he said, if you are a man here, and you have, at any point in time, never lashed out to your wife before, raise up your hand. Do we remember that? Okay. And nobody could raise up his hand. And he went for that to say, that every man present in church should go home, kneel down to their wife or wives, and say, I apologize, I will not do it again. Now, let me explain something to you. If you are a man here, even if you don't have to be a man, do you know what it takes? I didn't offend her, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't beat her, but I had to go down and kneel down and do that. But I've learned over time, over and over, obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel told Saul. And it was very difficult for me to do. I must tell you, very, very difficult. And I went back to pastor and I told pastor, I said, okay, we've done it, but do you think it's only man that shouts on, on the woman? What about the other one? <laughs> and he, he came back two weeks later and said the women should do the same. Now, I'm telling you tonight, honestly, you know, when, when, when those words comes out, maybe that's what is holding your deliverance. You don't know. But we find it difficult to do. I did it. But it was difficult because it's not, it's not my name. Watch, watch, down for what? But I did it. And I'm sure somebody enjoyed it, you know. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is that little, little things like that, when it comes, we need, we need to obey. You can say it's, it's seemingly little. We need to obey. Because you don't know what is holding you back. Disobedience is the, I mean, go through the Bible. Lot's wife, Pastor Ayobami, when he was, um, when he was uh, taking prayers during the vigil, talked about um, Jonah. Too many examples. But the people that obeyed, I mean, when, when, when the Lord told uh, Noah to build an ark, you know, it's just, it's just in fact, it's the, if you take this one, saying that I'm going to obey every instruction that comes from here, is, is, um, I'm going to do it. The other thing he, he said, this was about, similar about the same time, four months ago. He said that when you get home, 
for those that are married and if you're not married, find somebody that is close to you and ask them, am I a proud person? Do we remember that? Right? So for a lot of us, we know what the answer will be. <laughs> but we still went at home and, and what we, I mean, you need to obey. You don't know. You don't know what he has seen before he said that. Of course, I asked that question and I'm sure you can know what the answer will be. You know? <laughs> so, obedience is, I mean, we can talk about this tomorrow. Very difficult to do, but one of the easiest, easiest but it, it will make your life so easy. There are four of us that we live, I mean, or we used to live at home before the kids went to school. My daughter is the youngest. And I could, I used to, I could see her frustration all the time. Because everybody around the house, I mean, myself and my wife, would give all of, two of them instruction. Then my son comes and tries to give her instruction. Say, what for where? No, you're not my boss. And you can't be my boss. You know, big frustration for her. You know, he said, you can't boss me. She always, she's always saying, you can't boss me around. So to be obedient is very difficult. I mean, it's not easy, but it will save you a lot of griefs. Lot of griefs. I can't, I can't say, I mean, more about that. So let's look at Genesis 15, 6. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to try and establish something. And Abraham believed God, and the Lord counted him as, as, as righteous because of his faith. So Abraham obeyed God, right? And God said, he's a righteous man. Is that correct? Eh? Okay. So, if you go further, um, I think I, I, I jumped my notes. So, he, he, because he obeyed God, he was taken as a um, righteousness. And righteousness can be, you know, for you to be righteous, you have to be holy. Is that correct? Is, is, is that a fair thing to say? You can't be a holy person if you are not a righteous person. Right? Is that correct? Okay, so, therefore, if you, if you, that means if you are not, if you are not righteous, you can't be holy. And if you are not obedient, you can't be righteous. Therefore, if you are not obedient, you can't be holy. Do we get it? Are we, are we clear? Is, is the Bible obedience is taken as righteous, righteousness. And for you to be a holy person, you have to be righteous. Therefore, for you to be a holy person, you have to be obedient. Please, bring out the notes. Yeah, without righteousness, there can be um, holiness. Take out, please, next one. Without obedience, there can be holiness. Hence, we can't meet the lordship with disobedience. We can't be. So show me somebody who is holy. You show me somebody who is obedient, I'll show you somebody who is holy. It's given. So we can, we can claim to be Christian from now to tomorrow, but we can't just be obedient. We can't be a holy person because instructions will come and we won't do it. So if your husband and your wife hasn't come to apologize to you, make sure you report him to pastor. Okay? He will be glad to take care of that for you. So the second thing I have here is, um, or maybe we should read the Bible passage, but I mean, we've, read, we've, we've gone over it over and over again. So but let's, let's read this one. It's interesting. Luke 6, 46 to 49. I think we need to read this one. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? So how are we going to be God's Lord's sheep if we are not going to listen to his instruction? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me. Go ahead. Listen to my teaching 
and then follow it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays foundation on the solid rock. When, go ahead. When the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm and because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person, go ahead, who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Obedience, disobedience can only lead to one thing. Destruction. Period. There's nothing that can destroy a man or a woman or a person more than disobedience. So this year, if you want that freedom, every word that comes from here, we must obey. Praise the Lord. The second thing I put down is um, disobedience leads to destruction. Yeah, we said that. And, I'll, and, I'll, and let, me, let, me, let me just say this. If you are obedient to the word of God, the people around you, people in your relationship, will respect you. They will be at peace with you. Because they will know that if the shoves come to the show, you, if the push comes to the shoves, you're going to obey God. And once they have that confidence, once they have that confidence, they will, I mean, they won't worry. I'll give you an example. By the grace of God, I mean, thank God, I like what, I mean, I like, uh, my wife works, and that's great, you know, she's, she's, she, she has passion for what she does, and she enjoys it. Now, because I know that she, she's obedient to the word of God, and I know that she always stands in the path of truth. That gives me the confidence to allow her to do what she does. But assuming that we're not Christian, and I'm being honest today, assuming that we're not Christian, because we don't need that, we don't, by the grace of God, we don't need that, that work for us to survive. I would, not, I would not support what she does, because she meets all kinds of people that do all kinds of things. But I know that when it gets to a place where a line is going to be drawn, she's going to take her ground. So what that does for me is it keeps my mind at rest. So if you are the type that you obey God was at all times, I mean, the people around you will be, their mind will be at rest. Praise the Lord. The, the, the next thing that I put down, as I said, we can talk about a thousand things, like, um, I mean, all kind of sin, all kind of bitterness and all that. The next thing I, second thing I put down, and we're not going to look at truth, and the rest, I'll just mention it, is pride. You know, the only invisible being is God. The only person on the surface of this world, or has ever been here, that is invisible, is Jesus Christ. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a common thing to see people being arrogant, being proud, and all that. You know, we all know the story of the, of the Titanic, right? We know that story. But I'll tell you something. A lot of that story, you know, a lot, so, I mean, things like that have happened in, in, in a very recent time, and I'll share one with you. There's a book called Black Hawk Down. You can Google it. If you go to Wikipedia, I mean, you can just read it. You don't have to read it. In, the, in about 24, 25, 26 years ago, the United States, they, they, um, they built that chopper. You know, it's a war helicopter. It's a chopper, like a gunship, a war helicopter. And they felt that they have built the most invisible chopper. This was just 26 years ago, that they have built the most invisible chopper. You know, that can do all kinds of things. Um, Clinton was in power at that time, was president. And they didn't have anywhere to test it. But, I mean, they felt that what they had, it's called Black Hawk. 
That's the, that's the, that's the name of the, of the chopper. But the book is called Black Hawk Down. And in Somalia, Farad Al-Jid, at that time, they had issues in Somalia. And they had a base in Somalia. And they had rangers. Rangers are the most elitist um, military um, arm of the United States Army. The rangers. I mean, they are training unbelievable. And the oldest among them, usually around 21, is between 18 and 21. When you're at your, you're at your peak physically. So they were, they were in, um, in Somalia. And they were looking for I did. They wanted to capture him. And that chopper, as far as they were concerned, they can do anything with it. And they were too confident. In fact, to the extent that, because they didn't have anything to do with it, that it is war. So what those soldiers were doing, youthful exuberance, was they would take the chopper, they would go to the field, and they would fly the chopper very low, you know, in the field, to chase animals around. And then the rangers would jump down from the chopper and begin to shoot those animals. You know, just, just trying to do, to show that they are invisible. If I, in the process, they shot the chopper. Some of them shot the chopper. But that's not the story. The story was that they discovered that I, I mean, Farid Al-Jid was, was in a house. And they had a mission. At long last, an opportunity had come for them to go and capture this man. And to test their most powerful weapon that they, they I mean, in terms of being a chopper, that you can use in an urban area. Of course, it's not a jet. You can't use the jet. To, so they went. They went to like four choppers. And they circled around the place. They took the guy. You know, within 20 minutes, they took the guy. When they took the guy, one of the things they didn't think about was that they were in an urban area where the houses were closed. For chopper to fly, it needs aeration. There has to be space for air for that fan. One of the chopper fell. And the second one was attacked with a, an RPG. A journey that was supposed to last two hours operation took them like five days. They lost about six to seven people. In fact, that was one of the most scandalous period for Bill Clinton. Because you know what? They took an American soldier and they were dragging him on the streets. The U.S. Embassy, the United States Congress withdrew, um, they, they told Clinton to withdraw their military. And guess what? They thought that chopper was invisible. You know, anytime man thinks that any man, out of pride, as individual, as a community, that they think they're invisible, I mean, we know the story of Goliath. You can go into the Bible and try. So pride can destroy. I mean, I don't know which one can destroy it easily the most. If it is to be, but if you are not proud, you won't be disobedient anyway. So they're, 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 they're like five and six. They're sisters. So what I'm saying is that we need to lay down all our pride this year so that we can be free. Praise the Lord. So... Um, Proverbs eleven twelve, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. You know, there's another version, there's, there's, there's another version, I mean, the, um, James 4, 6. He's, he's, he gives grace generously, as the scriptures says. God exposes, the, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, when you look at the, when you look at the meaning of your post, when you, say, when you say you oppose something, you are in contention with that person. You are in battle with that person. You know, may God not be in battle with us in Jesus' name. And the only way to do that is not to be proud. May God not be, so these are things that can hinder us significantly from hearing our shepherd and we being the sheep. 
The two other things, I'll just leave that as homework that we need to go do, is ignorance. I mean, the Bible says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. The things that I chose are things that are not seemingly, you know, day-to-day sin. And the other thing we need to look at is bad relationships. You know, the Bible is very clear. Do not be yoked, you know. So, bad relationships. These are things that are seemingly, you know, not, 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 not difficult. So, may God help us as we, as we obey this year. May our freedom be total in Jesus' name. May our life, in, may any area of our life be in, may none of, no, no area of our life will be in bondage in Jesus' name. And finally, I'll close with this story. For us to be in constant touch with our shepherd, we always, we have, we always have to be on his side. When Abraham Lincoln was going to eradicate slavery in the United States, I mean, there were riots and all that. The, the southern part of the U.S. was, I mean, they were able to start getting it, but the northern part wanted to keep their you know, keep it. And when, when, I mean, when the thing goes to his speech, one of his generals was worried, and he made a comment. He said, hmm, are we sure God is on our side? He was telling Abraham Lincoln, the president, that this thing that we're going to get into, are we sure God is on our side? But Abraham Lincoln answered, he said, no, that, not that if God is on our side, we need to be sure that we are on God's side. Meaning that we are sheep. We need to be within the enclosure of our shepherd. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You know, if I was fidgeting because pastor is around, everything that has a negative has a plus. The plus now is that if you ask me any hard question, I'll just turn over the mic. <laughs> so it's question and answer time. <laughs>
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sir, from what he said, because sometimes maybe I will say I've been a victim. I've been with a leader, and another leader say it's a heart from Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, you know, for me to doubt him because I wasn't there. You understand me? I can't doubt. I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't with him with Holy Spirit. Some will say, God told me. I'm not with him when God told him. You understand me? And for me to find out, you know, we are human. Or maybe I'm not the type that is so prayerful or so, you know, being so. Then how do we? Because human beings, we are, you know, we are dangerous. We are so, you know, we are so, Bible, even God said we are, our heart is desperately wicked. You know, let's say the truth and shame the devil. You know, human beings are so difficult. Some can be in the altar lie. I've seen it. You know, how then, except the will or except God be with us, many are deceived. Just because they don't want to disobey. They want to, the next thing they say, disobedience is a witchcraft. They put injunction that he cannot cross. You know why? That is the name of Christianity. So what do okay, we do, sir? Let, let me ask you a question. Yes, want, sir, let's be yeah. practical. So, yeah. can you give me an example of what you have been asked to do? Fine. If, if it's not against God's will, plan, do you understand? Yeah. If I'm a leader and church starts at 7 o'clock and I tell you to come mm. at 6.30, mm. maybe that's what the Spirit tells me. But if it's not against God's plan, if it's not against the will of God, if it's not a sin, then you got to obey it. But what you can do is that, why don't you go ask God? Have you done the journey? Sir, yeah. have you done the journey? Yeah. You've done the journey? Yeah. Okay, so you know pastor's history? You know GFH history? No, I don't. I didn't okay, alright. You need right. to go do the journey. So when you do the journey, yeah. you will understand what I'm talking about. Where somebody who happened to be a man of God, I mean, was given a contrary instruction, and pastor was saying, this is what God told me. And God confirmed me to the, to the other person that we're talking about. You know, sometimes I'm trying to say, yeah. let's see after the service. Uh, but before the, uh, after the service, you mm. know that in the Bible, yes. old prophet to deceive a younger one. It's in the Bible. We are old prophet. He's a prophet. They see this young man, he destroys his life. He's still a prophet. Very well. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's we no, God, no, God will no, help there's, us. There's no doubt. That's what the Bible says. I love te- that. Test all spirits yeah. and ensure they are real. Yeah. So you need to develop yourself. And when we want to test, they give you a name. <laughs> yes. We have seen it, sir. Like, that's serious. I need to see you after the service. <laughs> okay. It might be private issue. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Honestly, I know that obedience is, is, is tough to do. I know that. And also, there are people that, and Pastor will talk more about this, there are people that will attempt to, to probably manipulate you. But that's not in GFH. Because anointing flows from the head. I can tell you that. Because if you discover somebody doing that, that person will be in that position for one second longer. And I know that heaven speaks. So, uh, I'm confident that our leaders, our, 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 our unit leaders, our workers, our ministers are following the instruction of God. Well, if anybody has any question, oh, I was going to leave it to Pastor. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So, um, very much tied to what our brother just asked. Um, in my former place of work, I had a very interesting boss. 
um, I would like to say he was kind of like a bully. And I won't, even though he claimed to be a Christian, you know, he quoted the Bible so well, knew how to link the Bible to life and all of that. But still, you know, by, um, by their fruits, you will know them. Mm-hmm. So um, I worked very closely with him. And there was a day we were going to meet a client together. We had an issue. And just before we stepped into the client's office, he told me that he was going to do something. And he, did, he needed me to, to kind of support him. Lo and behold, we enter the client's office. And then my boss starts to shout at the client. I mean, it was, it was a horrible meeting. And then I was supposed to nod my head and be like, you know, support my boss with whatever it was he was doing. And it was obviously very, it was just an awkward, horrible meeting. I mean, it was after that meeting I decided that I couldn't work with the company anymore. Because I'm like, you don't go around destroying relationships, Mm -hmm. which is what he was very good at. Mm -hmm. Destroying relationships. And my role in that company was to build relationships. Okay, so you had contrary. Exactly. So, you know, and we left that office and then he was blaming me. He said, I looked like, you know, I wanted to also take a hammer and stab him. That's the way I was looking at him. I was on the client's side instead of being on his side. You know, and that, he, he really took it personal. He took it very personal. And I tried to explain that. So how do you expect me, you know, to, to join you in saying and looking funny and treating a client funny? Because, I mean, in the rules of customer service, the customer is always right anyway. And even if you have an important point to pass across, you know, you try to do it in the most whatever way. It was a horrible situation. So, I mean, when, when you are faced with that kind of thing, you know, at that point, you're like, okay, there is no blueprint in the Bible that says, this is, I don't know, am I supposed to obey him? That's my question. Was I supposed to do what he wanted me to do? I'll leave that to pastor, but I'll answer it this way. Here's, here's, here's the deal. Under no circumstances, as a Christian, you should be shouting at another person. Sister Tosin, if you're in that place, Tosan, if you were shouting at that man, and somebody who just came for the first God to do it again, and saw you screaming and yelling, I mean, what soul have you won? So, as long as it's against the word of God, I mean, there's wisdom. Why you won't tell him that I'm not going to do it? You take your position. Pastor has shared exactly the same example where he used to work before and they told him to lie because of a bigger client outside the country. I think you've done the right thing. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way it's written that screaming and yelling, even if the other party is wrong. Even a good company will not tolerate, that's an harassment will not tolerate you screaming at other people. So, don't feel any regret. I think you did the right thing by not following him to scream or to even nod your head and say, yeah, good, good for you. I think that's the right thing you've done. No regrets. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Any question again? Pastor will take it. Amen. <clears throat> Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. For um, wasn't that a good word? That's a good word. Amen. Um, I think the questions that were asked is um, the gentleman obviously have been hurt by um, bad leadership. Even that question is a no-brainer. He answered it already. If it's contrary to the word of God, I mean, then. 
you, you step aside. So it's pretty straightforward, you know. If it's not contrary to the word of God, then, I mean, it's subjective. And if it's subjective, hey, you obey. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.